to become who we want to be as individuals. And at the end of the day, that's going to help us be a successful offense. And a man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side. Jordan Love hit me up the night of the draft. You know, was just congratulating me, letting me know it was time to work. Um, A.J. Dillon was open arms. Von Rock caught a ball with his thighs. We didn't nah. talk about that. It was more of with his ass. If he throws a good ball, this is a running, catching touchdown untied. Right. Like, KP does like these flips after every win, and I'm like just waiting for him to do his flip. You know that we still love each other? That's what football brings us. Across the safety space. You can tune in anywhere that you guys follow us on social media. Welcome to the Practice Squad Podcast. My name is John. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. It is episode 74 Wild card playoff weekend just wrapped up. Mark, how are you feeling? Because, man, those, every game was a blowout except the one that you and I were, you know, the most personally vested in. But all in all, I still think it was a good weekend of playoff football. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just amazed that, you know, this weekend continues to get better every year, it feels like. Um, so many things happened that we didn't expect to happen. Uh, some young guys rose to the occasion. I think the future of NFL football is happening right in front of us with CJ Stroud and Jordan Love. Uh, those guys winning their first playoff games. Jordan Love going into Dallas and taking care of business. CJ Stroud, obviously a home game, but take making that Browns defense that was historically good pretty much all year all year long. He made them look like that they they they've never played before. Um, just incredible, very impressive, and the Detroit Lions after 30-plus years of not winning a playoff game, take care of business. That was probably the most thrilling. I think more than just us, John, as Detroit fans, I think I think really the rest of America was rooting for that to happen. And then, of course, karma's real. Karma's real. We talk about the karma football gods all the time. Dallas loses, okay? Rightfully so. They should have never been the two seed in the first place. Detroit will host again next week because of that. And they'll probably get a more favorable matchup than they could have ever imagined with the Tampa Bay Bucks if they hold on. We're recording right now, and they're up three scores. We will obviously talk about that game as it concludes here, probably towards the end of this episode. But I mean, could could that weekend have gone any better? No, and you know, and people are saying things, and and we'll get to the Lions. Trust me, we are very very excited about the result of that game, and I think we have plenty of commentary to add to it. Just in general, I think like. I've heard a lot of football fans kind of be, oh, this this playoff expansion, you know, the seventh seed, whatever. You know, I, I don't really know how how I like it for wild card weekend. The games don't feel as competitive. While that's true as far as how the scores went going into this game, I think people did not expect Houston to win. Obviously, the market said that. Um, I don't think people expected Green Bay to walk into Dallas and blow them out and embarrass Dude, them. Beat it was down. Freaking awesome. And I don't think people expected Tampa to go and, and you know, again, there's, there's what, about five minutes left in the game, but upset Philly here. Um, those are three teams that, if this playoff expansion doesn't shake out the way that it did, probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to compete or would be going up against a juggernaut in the first round or something and, and totally changes the playoff landscape. So I'm very much in support of it. I agree with you, Mark. I think the wild card weekend is better as a result of the expansion, giving some of these seven seed teams an opportunity. And then green Bay goes and kicks the shit out of Dallas in Jerry world. And again, embarrasses this team. It was freaking awesome. So good um, to watch. So good to see that team get, just get their karma that they deserve. 
Um, and they're 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 unraveling. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna fire McCarthy. I mean, it hasn't dropped yet, but I'm sure by the time this episode airs, or by the time you're listening to this episode, that news has already happened. Um, they're probably gonna look to move on from Dak somehow. I mean, it's this is a complete franchise altering loss to a team that the average age is 25 years old. This Packers team is going nowhere. This Packers team is going to be a problem in this league, a problem in our division for sure for the foreseeable future because Jordan Love and LaFleur have a connection and they've got young receivers around them and this defense is starting to figure it out. It like it it is scary as a Lions fan, but it's great to see them take care of business against Dallas cuz I think everybody except Cowboys fans wanted that to happen. Yeah. And that's and exactly what happened. Poetic justice, man. I mean, Dallas didn't deserve that two seed, and instead the Lions are now hosting a second playoff game, uh, which is what we wanted the two seed for all along. So that feels really good. Um, and I agree with you too. If you're an NFC North fan, uh, you gotta be kind of scared that Green Bay's about to do it for the third time over, potentially. It's honestly which, bullshit. I mean, how do they pull it's that ridiculous. off? Like so yeah, many teams can't get it right ball. once. There's a formula and it works out for them. Well, somehow. it's just, I don't know, man. I think, I think it's just, obviously it's impressive uh, franchise management and insane recognition, recognition of skill and, you know, potential out of these players, obviously then being able to develop Rogers while Favre finishes off and then being able to develop love while Rogers finishes off and they literally don't skip a beat. I mean, this year was supposed to suck for the Packers. Yeah. Well, no other, um, no other like franchise really structures it really has the 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 structure in general to accomplish that but also just doesn't do it in the first place anyways of like hey let's draft our hall of fame or you know starting quarterbacks replacement years before he's replaced it adds longevity to that quarterback's life because it's like a fire under his ass to perform better so he doesn't get you know, replaced early before the contract's up, whatever. They traded that quarterback away for a pretty nice bag of draft capital. And then their, you know, guy that they drafted that had three years to develop under this person, get used to what the NFL is like, steps into his own and absolutely crushes it for, you know, Jordan Love's case could be another decade, right? We could be dealing with this guy. I mean, he, he, he's the right. best. He's been the best quarterback in the NFL the last He looked eight phenomenal. Weeks. Yeah, I mean, statistically, he is. And if you just eye test, I mean, he is completing passes. Him and Stroud, at, the two best yeah, quarterbacks. I mean, Stroud was hurt for a little while, but literally during the last eight weeks of the season, including this first-round playoffs, Jordan loves the the best quarterback we've seen. It's crazy. I mean, all, all of the heroes of old are officially out of the NFL. Belichick's gone. Um, well, he'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. But from from uh, the Pats, you're missing all of those quarterbacks, the Brady's, the Mannings. It's Breeze. it's all gone. You have Breeze. You have a new era of new faces, new everything, new coaching regimes. Uh, you know, the Browns were a playoff team. The Lions just won their first playoff game in 30 years. Um, the Dolphins are competitive again. The Texans are competitive again. Like it, this playoff picture hasn't looked like this in a long time, if ever, with these teams, these phases, these quarterbacks. So we're excited to dig into it, go by game by game here. Um, we'll kind of go in chron- chronological order if I if my memory will serve me correctly. Um, and sharing your screen is usually a really great start. <laughs> Sorry for those watching at home. Um, all right, so Browns-Texans, uh, 
you know, Mark said, I mean, this Browns defense has been top of the league all year in just about every statistic. And the Texans picked him apart. Um, picked him apart. Collins with a incredible game. I thought they had a really good run game and their defense like made a fool out of whatever they were doing offensively either. They could not run. They could not pass. I think Flacco threw uh, two interceptions, right? So just messy game altogether from the Browns. Um, Houston looked very complete. Um, CJ Stroud looked incredible and D'Amico Ryans is clearly coming into his own as a head coach in the NFL. Um, this team looks young, hungry, and like they're building something sustainable. Like we're going to see this for a few years, as long as D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud are around. I mean, let's not forget this team is very injured going into the season. Their offensive line was beat to shit. They've had some pretty bad injuries throughout the season um, and they took care of business. Shame on me for doubting D'Amico Ryans, really. I mean, they just played – these two teams played each other, what, four or five weeks ago, and the Browns got the best of them in Houston in that one, and, and Joe Flacco threw for 300-plus yards, and Amari Cooper had 270 yards. And, you know, they really just had anything they wanted in the passing game. And D'Amico Ryans, you know, credit to him and credit to that young defense. They went right back to the film room, created a different game plan, found a way to, to limit the big plays, force, you know – Cleveland to try to do something else and it and when it didn't work it didn't work and CJ Stroud credit to the offense they did the same thing on the offensive side of the ball they made the adjustments they figured out some weakness that in this Cleveland defense there really wasn't you know clearly hard to find that weakness and they found it and they just picked them apart and really like you said run play action you know screen game like anything they wanted they could do um very impressive win for a young CJ Stroud who looks like he's going to be a, an MVP candidate every year that he stays healthy in this league. And the Texans look like the new team in, in Texas uh, that teams need to worry about. I mean, it's just, it's just as simple as that. And the day yeah, I got, the I got Cowboys no losing the and the yeah. Cowboys losing and the Texans winning. It's like all of a sudden there's a new team in Texas that, that is representing that state and looking to compete for Super Bowls. And all of a sudden it's, it's the Houston Texans, which a few years ago they had their hope with Deshaun Watson ripped from them right when he wanted to leave. And then all of a sudden they have new hope again. And it's got to be pretty cool to be a Texans fan and go from one of the worst teams in the league last year to you just want a playoff game. And, you know, you actually look like you have a chance to compete in each game that you play because you have a great head coach. You have some great young defensive talent and you have CJ Stroud and credit to him too. A lot of people hated on it when they did that, that draft move, right? The aggressive move to move up and get the second and third pick, right? Um, they loved Will Anderson they loved C.J. Stroud, and they said, screw it, we're going to go get both. And a lot of people hated that aggressive move. You and I both liked it. I remember during the draft analysis episodes, I loved it. You liked it. We both thought those two players graded out pretty well, and it's it's paying off for them. It's, it's go, like, I'm always of this philosophy, is people overthink the draft way too much. Go get the guys that you fall in love with at any cost. I, I think that's why... The Lions are such a wagon now, and, and I'm going to get into that with some with some receipts just as far as, as Brad Holmes' draft classes have gone. Go get your guys. Will Anderson seemed like a generational edge rusher pick. C.J. Stroud seemed like the right fit for them. Um, whatever they saw in him versus, you know, well, obviously Bryce Young came off came off the board, but I think they were pretty set on C.J. Stroud regardless of, of who was there. Um, just go get your guys. And sure enough, that worked out for them. Um, so hats off to the Texans. And as you said, Mark, as an Austin resident, where it's like half Houston, half Dallas fans that uh, for the people that, you know, live in Texas and, and live in Austin here, I will support Houston any day of the week over Dallas. I don't even have to think twice about that. I 
really don't think of any situation in which I'm rooting for um, Dallas to beat another team ever. I, I don't remember the last time I rooted for Dallas. Um, I do feel bad for Dak, but I also think he looks like, and we'll get into this, like I, I just can't fathom him rising to the occasion at this played point. Played like dog shit, man. He played like dog he shit. He's, I mean, big games, he just has not showed up. You yeah. know who shows up in big games? Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and uh, Mark, I think our takes on this particular game were very Spot accurate. on. Yeah, Spot it's on. Like the elements being a factor in this game was going to play very strong to Kansas City's strengths, and it was going to almost completely neutralize the things that made the Dolphins a threat. And that's exactly what we saw. That The Dolphins' offense was immobile, essentially, or just not as mobile going against a good defense. They could not get the run game established, and they were not completing passes at the clip that they needed to. And Tyreek didn't have that kind of game breaking speed that he usually does. Cause you know, they're battling the elements a little bit more. And, you know, I still got to say Casey offensively didn't look phenomenal, but they looked a lot better than they have in previous weeks. Mark's take is looking like it's aging pretty well, increasingly well. Um, so we will see Dangerous what happens team, there. Man, I sure as hell wouldn't want to see him. All, all it took all the defense has been solid for Kansas City all year all long. Season. Yep. Mahomes has been on a down year, but it's not necessarily like when you watch him play, it's not like, oh, Mahomes is playing bad. He's just, it's not as clean. The timing's off. The receivers are making errors. Obviously, there's it has not been clean in that game, but they got the running game going, which is if they can do that, look out because Mahomes is going to find a way to get the ball to guys he trusts. Rasheed Rice, huge game. Right, breakout performance. He'll continue to gain confidence after that game. I'm telling you, you're going to see Kadarius Tony and, and Sky Moore and some of these guys come into their own and make some plays here in this playoff run once they're back healthy. Kelsey's going to figure it out at some point. It. I'm telling you, this seems dangerous. I said it three, four weeks ago when nobody was giving this team a chance. I said it, and I'm telling you, you do not want to bet against the champ. He's the best player in the world for a reason, and you give him a home game against a Miami team that, we'll be honest about it, soft. They didn't want to tackle. They didn't want to play in the cold weather. They didn't want to run in, inside, right? Everything was trying to get to the edge, and, and with the wind and, the, and those weather conditions, not easy to do. Trying to throw the ball downfield to Tyreek Hill, not easy to do. You have 30-mile-per-hour winds did, and people's see, mustaches freezing. Did you see Tyreek's uh, tweet towards Sneak yes. about that block? Too? <laughs> what do you say, block my ass to Cancun or something like that? Like, I mean, I mean Ty, Tyreek is... Um, a great player, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know, like some of the stuff he does off the field. I, I saw very, very ironic. People were saying how cute it was. He threw like after his touchdown, he threw the ball to his wife. And then I saw a tweet. It was like, it's not as cute when you think about the fact that he had two other women give birth to his children in the last six months. Like for you know, real, dude, he's had three. Yeah. He's got three kids this year with three different women. He's just got like affairs out the ass. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, and it's like, oh, it's his fiance or wife, and it's like, oh, what a cute moment. And then it's like, is it really that cute? Like he's got like, yeah, he's you know, kind of living on a on a different planet than than everybody else. I mean, and he might not be from this planet the way he plays football, but that's true. But like, it's just it's kind of the same thing as like it's almost like a rapper syndrome where it's like you're just bigger than life at a certain point. You start playing by different rules than everybody else, and then you contextualize it for half a second. Like I didn't know that, right? Like you contextualize, like yeah, Tyreek first of all doesn't care enough about football to not make jokes about going on vacation the day after he gets kicked out of the playoffs. Tua, and dude, Tua asking for a jersey swap. Did you see that? He no, asked Mahomes for a jersey swap. Like, you don't ask a guy. After you get your ass beat in a game like that where you play like dog shit, 
And, you know, you had all this hype going really the whole season. I mean, he had MVP talks about Tua. The Dolphins looked unbeatable at one point. I mean, we literally made a full episode on who, how do you stop this offense? Is it unstoppable? And then you lose like this to Kansas City. And the first thing you do when you see Patrick Mahomes is ask for a jersey swap. And, and, and Mahomes said no politely. He's like, oh, I already promised somebody else. It's like, dude, that's just loser mentality, man. Like, you're not an yeah. assassin. That's like, not a Kobe Bryant mentality. That's not yeah. a Josh Allen. Like, Josh Allen, when he loses, Mahomes, when he loses, Brady, when he lost. Like, when you see these guys lose games, they're not asking for jersey swaps. They're not trying to be goody-goody with these people. I mean, people. You, like, you don't even need to, to talk about, you know, the behavior off the field when you're seeing, you know. Dude, if, if I'm a defender and I see the other guy cracked playing quarterback and his helmet is cracked, <laughs> like that's So, terrifying. interesting story. That's not the first. I've seen someone's helmet crack in person before. Uh, it was actually in youth football. One of the, one of the, these crazy just head-to-head hits in an Oklahoma drill back when you could do that, back when football wasn't soft. Um, we were doing an Oklahoma drill. Two guys, run, two really hard hitters running each other. Boom. Loud crack. Dude, hit the, guy, the kid's helmet cracked right down the middle, like all the way down. Uh, both kids were completely fine, but just like the sound that that made and just like so the collision. So, so sweet, dude. How so cold sweet. it has to be too, to, for that to happen. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's some, so but that's just, that's just metal. That, that's just metal yeah. football. Like that's, that's like, that is playoff <laughs> football. That's how yeah. it's supposed to be played. Shout out to Kansas city for playing the game. Not like soft ass Buffalo and New York's government moving the game. Like just play it in the conditions that God made it to be played in that day. Like that is how football has always been. I can't think of a better, and and this is a great segue, unless there's anything else you want to say about this KC game. I I can't, well, well, yeah, let's let's just do the entire AFC. It's fine. I can't think of a better home field advantage than the elements in that situation because Buffalo fans are insane and they would have showed up in negative 30 degree weather if the government didn't force them. Gladly, gladly. Without shirts on. I mean, for God's sakes, like we've seen them do that before. They are lighting tables on fire and jumping off of the snow piles outside of the stadium. On Dude, tonight. if they're not like, afraid of burning tables, they're sure as hell not afraid of a little frostbite. Like, <laughs> I mean, be, let's be real here. And, and again, football is meant to be played the way that it's, you know, in any condition, the time that the game is scheduled, the opponent that's scheduled, play the game. Play the game. That's how it's meant to be. It's how it should be. The second you start doing that where you can override and move move around games, like, that's bullshit. Play the game when it's supposed to. It didn't really affect the outcome of this game, I don't think. But, like, shame on, on New York for that because that yeah. was that was bullshit. Um, and the Bills are looking like how they've looked in previous playoff runs here. They look great. Josh Allen... Uh, limited his mistakes this game, which I think is the biggest thing. He, he played a pretty clean, really, I mean, both this game and the game against Miami uh, previously, for the most part, were relatively clean. He obviously had a rough first quarter in Miami, but you just got to keep seeing that version of Josh Allen with the running game that they were able to establish. With him having a connection with his receivers, this team is dangerous as shit. And, Mark, I don't know if you realized, they're hosting the next game, right? They're seated oh, I know. higher. Believe Casey's me, I coming know to buffalo for the first time and it is going to it be feels exciting. so it's so manning brady-esque right it's all those so home good. games that yeah. all those home games that tom had right against peyton and then peyton gets one in indy like this is it's just happening i mean history repeats itself and now it's happening with patrick mahomes and josh allen you know i want you to put some respect on josh allen's name john 
You have been a hater of him. You're You've right. taught I know I know you beat around the bush and you're like, well, I always admit he's good, but his decision making, but he turns the ball over. The no, guy's just, a freaking baller, man. I just said it right there. Josh Allen he's a baller. played a very clean game and Buffalo looks really scary as a result. He just needs to keep that up. It's it's he's it's like so he, good. He's the best player in the NFL when he's like this, dude. When he gets in this laser great. mode. It's amazing to watch. I love watching it. It's it's a style of football that is something most fun player to watch in the yeah, league, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I really don't think it's close. The guy jumps over people. He scored a 50 yard touchdown run today. John, he's as fast as me. He runs a four seven four eight forty, but he's six five two forty, and he's outrunning NFL defensive backs and running through them. That, like, that that's not supposed that to happen. He made was hilarious. Did you see that? Where he just like it wasn't even a juke. Like he just like kind of slowed down and then just like Dude, kept running. Again. He's he's not supposed to be able to do that stuff at his size. No, it's it's awesome to watch. Again, like I, I've made the comparisons that I have for a reason. He reminds you, me of Matt Stafford, except he wins games rather than loses them. But it's like, wow, he's doing some of the craziest shit that I've ever seen a quarterback do. And then just it's the mistakes that catch up to you. Um, And he has limited his mistakes. And for that reason, Buffalo is playing a hell of a lot better. So, yes, there's there's your credit to Josh Allen. Uh, I apologize. We're for in for a great one next week, man. I'm I mean, so excited. But um, I apologize for throwing shade at Josh Allen uh, throughout the season, even though he was losing them just, games by throwing. Just say sorry. Just say football. sorry, Joshy. Just say sorry, Joshy. I'm not saying sorry, Joshy. <laughs> just say sorry, <laughs> Joshy, dude. Oh, uh, all right. Hopping into the Cheesehead Green Bay Packers going into Jerry World and embarrassing the ever-living shit out of dallas in jerry world from the Girl, get yeah from the get it, i i could i could see like Dak's confidence in himself drop before he even took the field because green bay marched downfield and scored like i feel like average you know quarterback playoff situation home game you know 12 and 5 record whatever it's like okay lock in like let's respond and like he looked like a deer in headlights from the very beginning, and then every sideline shot to him, he just looks scared. Like, can I he, can I credit like Matt Lafleur? Yes. You know absolutely. you know why? Why? You know what he did? You know what he did in the Thanksgiving game against Detroit, which was really the first like game the Packers kind of put all the pieces together and looked like a like team that could actually do something. Mm-hmm. They took the ball when they won the to- like they won the toss, and, st- and almost always teams will defer to the second half and kick the ball and get the ball in the second half. In the Detroit game on Thanksgiving. He chose to take the ball, drove right down our throat, and scored. Set the tone. Like, this is what we're going to do to you. Dallas game, playoff game, in Jerry's world, we want the ball. Took the ball, drove right down the field, scored on an amazing first drive, running the ball, play action. Like, just... Like and it, it just silences. Incredible. It silences in a way. Like when you go into a tough place to play, like Jerry's World, you don't want to let them get anything going. Best way to do that is to score first, get a stop, score again. All of a sudden, you make it, a t- and that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what their plan was. Green Bay's plan was: let's take the crowd out of it early. Let's show them what we got. I like our you know opening series game plan. Let's go right at them, and that's exactly what he did against Detroit on Thanksgiving, and he did the same thing against Dallas. I loved it, dude. Send a message early, like we are coming in here to beat your ass. We're not just happy we're here. We're not just happy we're in in a down year or supposed to be a down year. We're we're here to make a statement. That's exactly what they did. Their run game looked phenomenal. Uh, Jordan Love was completing very high level level passes. Uh, definitely like like. 
prime career Aaron Rodgers level passes. Um, Those off his back foot throws that he floats out there. He had some off of his back foot that were ridiculous. Um, They did anything that they wanted to do on offense in their sleep, really. It didn't even look difficult at any point. Uh, Two interceptions defensively, one for a pick six. The other probably could have gone for a pick six. Uh, I I think he likes Jair Alexander's. Yeah, yeah. Jair's they ruled him down. They ruled him. They touched. ruled him down. Yeah. So. But what a play that was by Jair Alexander. That would have, yeah, that would have been a pick six too. Um, had had he not gotten ruled down, so it was just it was just the complete dominance. And you have to ask because, and Mark, we we got started getting sucked into it halfway in the season. I was trying to stop myself. I was like, Dallas looks really good right now. Except, is this just going to be the same thing that we've done every season? The same conversations we've had around this team on this podcast a thousand times. And sure enough, not only was was that the case, it was the worst example of it I've seen in all of the years that I've been saying this is the type of team Dallas is. They looked totally not ready for the moment. This top five defense completely collapsed on itself. They looked like they had no game plan at all. They looked like they had not watched any film on Jordan Love. McCarthy looked like he had accepted the fact Dude. that he was going to be fired by first Act quarter. First, yeah, first quarter, quarter. they sure. showed a cut. They cut to his face and his and his fat face was melting already. And it's like I'm I'm toast. Like you could tell after the the Packers went up two scores, yeah. it was like we're we're done. Like this is over. This experiment is over. I'm dead. This is over. Um Dallas is dead, dude. They're in some serious shit. You know what's crazy about Dallas and Green Bay? Green Bay has won more playoff games in that stadium than oh, Dallas. No. Oh, no. Yeah, that's insane. They've won three. If you include Rodgers' Super Bowl game against the Steelers, which was played in that stadium, that's yeah. three wins. And <laughs> Dallas has two. You did uh, not have to go there with it, but you did, and I love it. <laughs> dude, so good. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. I think it's time they move on from Dak. Do you agree? Do you, do you think, is there any... I like Dak. I don't. I, like I think he's a I good just, dude. I think he's a good player, but he does not show up in big moments. He just, that's he a, just I, hasn't. And it's and somebody I forgot because I've listened to so much football commentary in the past two days. But somebody said like, it it's it's in his head now that I'm going to find a way to choke a playoff game. Like that's that is living in his head rent free at this point. How those, can it not? You are two and five in your playoff appearances. That first pick was. So like just really wasn't even a terrible. It was just a great play by Jair Alexander. But the second that that happened, Dak was just rat. Dude, he had he had he had less than a yard passing in the first quarter. Like he yeah he it, him him and Lamb were screaming at each other on the sideline in the first yeah. And I were, mean he missed him a couple times. There was a yeah. drop, but it, it there it's crazy how many super and like. You're about to be in salary cap hell. You have all these big time contracts that you've signed that there's going to be people that are, you know, going to move on to something different or request a trade. If there's, you know, a whole different changing of the guard, new quarterback, new coach. It is a interesting situation in Dallas. And again, it's easy to pick on because Mark and I are haters. So if you are a Cowboys fan, I'm sorry for ragging on your team. But if you're a Cowboys fan, you have to be just as frustrated about the situation because man, you got to be tired of looking that good in the regular season and then losing playoffs, playoff games are the most embarrassing ways I've ever seen. The failing to stop the clock against the 49ers, the Ezekiel Elliott at center on the, the last play of the game, and then this game was just start to finish, just domination but, by a second. John, they're the first team, I believe, ever to go have 12 wins in three straight seasons and never make it to the uh, division 
championship game, the NFC championship game. The first team yeah. that's never made it to their conference championship game. They have the game. second best record in the league over the past three years, second only to Kansas City. <laughs> Dude. It's it's and they're they're and one you know it's you know what I'm gonna say too and this will and this will be the last thing we talk about this shit uh, franchise. Um, everyone's talking about Bill Belichick going there as a potential savior thing and 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 maybe they bring in McDaniel's as the OC and they and they basically just run it back like what they did with New England had all that success during that dynasty and do it in Dallas. I guess Jerry and Bill have always had like a little like love affair. Like hey, if I'm ever available, I'd love to coach for you. Blah 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 and vice versa. I think that's the worst thing they could do. I think Bill Belichick has passed, you know, the time of this of this football era where he's the coach that can re, you know, change a a, a franchise, and he's going to want all the control. And if Jerry hires him, he's going to give him all the control, and he's he's going to try to put together this roster. He clearly couldn't do it in New England once Tom left. And if you give him all the pieces again and say, "Hey, or figure it out," I don't think he's got that capability to do it all over again. I think he's past that point. And McDaniels, I mean, we saw what a shit fire he was in, in Vegas. Like, that would be the funniest thing ever to bring those two in, think that they're going to be like the Patriots from those dynasty years, and then have this all happen all over again. But okay. Belichick's the face of it. We've said this a thousand times on this podcast this season. That era of football, that era of coach-to-player relationship is dead. It's it, dead, it does, That style of football, offensively, is dead. So... To, to go and take that approach again is is insanity. Like it's just not just, it's not the New England problem. It's not that things just stopped kind of working in New England, even though the model was still there. It's that model doesn't work anymore. Also, and Tom we, Brady retired that yeah. and left New England. That's the big thing people always forget about. It was never Bill. Bill helped. You know, he was the jelly in the peanut butter jelly sandwich, but a peanut butter sandwich is still pretty damn good, and that's what. Tom Brady was like it's not a secret so and Dak is not even in the same room as Tom Brady not so it's does. it's a done deal <laughs> and it doesn't matter if they go draft some young guy like it's just you know it's it's just not gonna happen well, so Trey I would love Lance be the starter next year zero <laughs> percent chance dude <laughs> brutal um all right and also now that we're done ragging on Dallas uh uh, we've we've given the compliments too, but like Green Bay, man, like you got to be fired up and you got to be excited rolling into to San Fran. I mean, that's going to be a tough place to play, but like I can't think of a better confidence builder than going into a place that hasn't seen their team lose the entire season in that building and going and absolutely embarrassing them. Go do it to another team that you know that's cocky and a giant and. A, do I want to see that? No, not really. I I, I do, but I would be freaking cool. Well, as a as a Lions, a Lions fan, fan sure. you absolutely should want that. It's well, you're right because I don't want to see forty. I don't want to see the I don't want to see the Forty Niners in California, dude. Hell no. Yeah. But let's get into this game, John, because this was the game of the weekend. If you're from Detroit, this was this was a huge, 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 huge. Nailing our side for, you know, before John and I were even born. You know, this pain happened five, six years before John and I were even born. Um, and we finally got over it. We finally got the major thing, the elephant in the room. We took care of it. Get a playoff win, right? Get a playoff win in Ford Field. I, You know, the, you could hear from the TV broadcast just the electricity there. And every single player and every coach interviewed after this game has said, that place was buzzing. That was a huge factor in why the Rams used their timeouts. 
in both halves early in the half. 100%. And, what it, and they couldn't really, you know, that's a huge game changer at the end of the game when you don't have, you only have one timeout instead of the three. And therefore, it's much easier for the Lions to clinch, you know, the, the game and, and get those first downs that they need and run that clock. Um, was I your brain the- working really before we even get to the, the nuts and bolts of the game? Was your brain working in the end when that first down happened from Amon Ra? Because I thought we had to get one more first down. No, us. I knew because of the I knew because of the timeout situation that they okay. would just need the once they and it depends how many snaps it takes you to get each first down too. But right. once once he got it on and on that once we got the first down with Montgomery, I knew uh, once McVay did, once McVay didn't use that timeout and he let it get to the two minute, which was very interesting. Very uh, time timeout management is notoriously bad, apparently, which I didn't know. But yeah, and then also the decision for him to punt the ball when they did on that last drive Weird. the Rams had, like you punted it and you saved yourself like five yards of field position and you gave us the ball back. Like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you just go for it at that point. I, I get you're trying to save the field position, maybe get the ball back at midfield again and three and out. But the way that we play offensively. I just, I don't know. I would have probably gone for it. Yeah. Um, but this win is a is a staple of of what Detroit needs to be and wants to be and aims to be. And it's what we've talked about for the last few years. And it finally is here. And what a lot of Detroit fans, like, don't be satisfied. Like, this team is good enough to do more than just win this game against the Rams. And this was a tough opponent. The Rams were a tough matchup for us that showed to be the case. Matthew Stafford came in and played his ass off. Typical Matthew Stafford. He's bleeding. He's got a a wound that looked like it was three inches deep in his hand, on his throwing hand. He's got his thumb taped up. He's always got thumb issues, it seems like, on that throwing hand. But he's got his thumb taped up. He took some rib shots, it seemed, early in the game, where he's literally jogging off the field, hunched over like he's struggling to breathe. Goes to the concussion tent because he's, you know, his eyes rolled back in his head after that after that hit that probably should have been a late hit but wasn't. Thank God. Um, slams his head on the ground. He's back in next possession. The guy is just a warrior, and I will always credit Matthew Stafford before I shit on him. I will always credit him for being one of the toughest dudes in the league, one of the most badass dudes in the league, and he made some of the most impressive throws Insane I've seen all season in Ridiculous. that game. Uh, he carried the Rams in this game, kept him in it because the running game was. A great running game that the Rams had. I'll give the Lions def- defense credit. Limited Kyron Williams. They banged him up pretty good as well. And it was basically the Stafford Puka Cup show. And just let's let's hope we can seven on seven this thing and somehow steal the game. And that's what they were trying to do. And we got just enough pressure and made just enough plays in the back end to limit them. And we did great job in the red zone. That was the name of the game. Is they would get all the way down. Ben don't break mentality, and we'd somehow get them hold them to three. And that was the that was the difference in the game for sure. But I want to give credit to Matthew Stafford before I shit on him. Uh, John, do you want to say anything before I shit on Matthew Stafford? Yeah, we'll we'll cover Matthew Stafford. And I have you know a lot of takes. I want to. We're, we're going to spend a good chunk of time on this game. So you know, Detroit fans here for you. If you're not a Detroit fan, sorry, buckle up. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that was the most on brand Stafford return to Detroit that you could possibly imagine. Like you said, looked like a complete badass, played through a bunch of stuff that an average quarterback would would not and, and probably sissy out about, and was completing passes that were ridiculous. I it was weird being in the shoes of like watching what this dude has done in Detroit to other teams, then all of a sudden he's doing that to to Detroit, to your team that you want to win. And like just how just like how many times right in our life did we watch Matthew Stafford be on like a third and freaking 18 drive looks like garbage and he completes a 25 yard pass to Calvin Johnson and all of a sudden we have a new set of downs and we keep on driving 
that was so discouraging and demoralizing to just watch him sidearm laser while getting tackled 20 yards to Puka Nakua who breaks it off for another 15 after the catch or whatever it is. It's like, holy shit, man. Like this guy just refuses to go down. Um, But in typical combination of the coaching combination of Stafford fashion, they fail to get those red zone conversions. The defense holds them there. I think honestly, Mark, and we'll talk about this. I think it's honestly because of the fact that our linebackers actually are really good and our secondary sucks. And our linebackers having a little bit, you know, more support in that side on the red zone just was allowing us to actually limit what Stafford was was allowed to do. Um, so shout, our linebackers statistically have actually been great in coverage this year. And obviously we have a top five um, run run defense in the league. Um, but yeah, they just, they found ways to limit him. And then Sean McVay made some boneheaded game management decisions and that's what cost him. And that was... That was very Detroit Stafford-esque, the, the way that entire game played out. And yes, there was some bullshit calls and whatever that we'll get into. But I think actually Detroit was on the losing side of the, the ref ball battle, too. And we'll have a conversation there. Um, Mark, feel free to go and, and unload on Stafford after commending him. And I do appreciate you at least giving him the time of day before, you know, saying whatever you're about to say, which I don't think is going to be good. <laughs> here's, the, here's the situation, okay? Um there's a reason that Detroit rallied behind Jared Goff so strongly in this matchup, right? It wasn't a Matthew Stafford asked to leave. Matthew Stafford gave him, gave 12 years to the city and I respect him for that. And it's not easy to play for this franchise. And it was very, very hard when he came into the situation and he made, I would say he made the most of what he could. Um, But when you're drafted number one overall, I've said this before on this podcast. When you're drafted where he was, you're expected to eventually figure it out with the pieces that you have. And he had some defenses that helped him, and he had some receivers that helped him, one of them being the best top three receiver of all time in Calvin Johnson. And he had some good tight ends, and he had some okay coaching situations happen, and he never got it done. Never got it done in Detroit, and then gave up. Went elsewhere, and within two years was a Super Bowl champion. That rubs a lot of people in Detroit the wrong way, man, because the talent was always there for Stafford. That was never a question. He could always do the the incredible throws that no one else can do. He could always lead you on a fourth quarter comeback and win a game here and there that didn't mean anything. But he could never do it when he really mattered. And so obviously the city, when you come in and you're standing between us and something that hasn't happened in 30 years, obviously we're not going to welcome you with open arms and say, oh, yeah, we love you, Matt. Thank you so much for nothing after 12 years. We have nothing to show. There's no banners. There's nothing that Matthew Stafford did for 12 seasons. Like he was never here. He has a, he has a great statistical 12 years. That's what he has. That's what we have. And some cool moments. But nothing else. And Jared Goff, after what? This is Jared's third season? Third, yeah. Banner. (laughs) Playoff win. Like, that's why we're rallying behind this guy. So take the booze personally all you want. But, like, you know, they ask. I think we lost Mark here, unfortunately. I'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, I'm gonna boot him here, but I can I can kind of also um, I can also pick up where where Mark was going with that. Like I think he's completely right, and I think I think Matt Stafford not taking or taking the booze personally, right? But it's like it's not even about that. Like it it was never that deep. Uh, I think Stafford just chose to make it that deep because of the fact that, as Mark was saying, there really wasn't a lot to show for the 12 years that he's been here. And I think the boos were just because, hey, man, you're, you're an enemy team. 
in enemy territory and Detroit wants this win bad and you're in the way. And that is 100% the reason why they are booing, not because it's personal towards Stafford, but based off of his, his post game comments, obviously he took that, that personally. Um, so it's, well, that's unfortunate. And I feel bad that, that that's how he was interpreting the booing. It's also like, dude, how do you not understand that? Like you are in Detroit's way from making literal Detroit history, um, over the situation. I'm going to hit pause on this and we're going to get this figured out and then we will be back in just a moment. All right. We're back after some technical difficulties. Uh, Mark, I will give you the opportunity to finish up your, your Stafford thought rant. Um, I kind of completed your thought for you where you were going yeah. with that, but I'd still like to kind of hear, um, you know, what your full opinion is on it. Yeah. It seems the football gods don't like me ranting on Matthew Stafford and shitting on him, but you finished what I was going to say. Um, basically he said, I'm happy for the players and kind of a negative tone at the end of the interview. They asked, was he happy that Detroit won? Are you happy for the city? He said, I'm happy for the players. Basically, in a roundabout way, saying he didn't, he wasn't happy for the fans. That gave them, he gave, we gave them everything we had for 12 years. And it's like, really, man? Like, you, you can't be a little bit bigger. You can't handle a little bit of booze. You know, you're a little butthurt from, from coming into a town that you thought you earned the respect from. We rooted for you in your Super Bowl. A lot of fans, you know, wore your stuff during that situation. You should be just as happy for the, for the city now as we were for you then. So I thought that was bullshit. Um, yeah, because he got a lot of Detroit support when that Super Bowl run with the Rams happened. And again, I am still very much a, a Matthew Stafford fan. Uh, and we have back and forth all the time about the type of quarterback he is. So yeah, it was a bummer to hear that. But look, man, it's it's football. Emotions can run high. I get it. Um, I think he was taking it a lot more personally than he needed to. But if that's how he feels about it, um, you know, whatever. He has uh, time to sulk about it and come back ready, locked and loaded next year to, to prove everybody wrong. Um, but yeah, so getting more into the actual nitty gritty of the game. Detroit going and scoring three touchdowns, 75 yards each to set the tone. They were having their way with the Rams defense was huge. Uh, had a game plan for Aaron Donald, completely neutralized him, and I think the Rams really needed to like mix up what their pass rush looked like to actually start creating any quarterback pressure because there was none in the first half for the most part. Um, like I said, I think they, the defense, uh, for all of the issues that they had at the secondary, which there were many, I thought that the front seven played phenomenally, and I thought the safeties played aggressive. Um, and I think that worked out in Detroit's favor quite a bit. There's some conversations about Kirby Joseph being a dirty player and stuff like that. I think that's really overblown. Same he thing did with the, do some dirty shit. It's it's several same, times. It's the same kind of dirty shit though, that it's like, okay, he goes. And I think this is the conversation. He goes high on those hits on a tight end and he's going that's, to get a flag for unnecessary just, roughness. So that's just one though, John, I'm talking about like the throwing the player down after the play, hitting a player late. Like that's just one thing. And I, I I'm with you. There's really nowhere else he can hit the guy, but you add that with the two or three other things he did in one game. Like just at some point you'd have to be smarter than that. And, and just not be an asshole. There's, there's and, things you can clean up, and his head was down on the Higby hit. You got to look at where you're going for sure. But also, he's a second-year player in his first playoff game, and I think he's trying to fly to the ball, and that's tough to take away from a kid in, in the moment. And also, you know, the Rams tackled Gibbs three yards out of bounds at one point. That was a no-call. Like, for the most part, they were letting some of these aggressive hits play. Um, that probably worked more to Detroit's favor than not. But, you know, the other thing that we're talking about, because people are saying, you know, th those non-calls led to points off the boards for the Rams. 
Uh, there was a non-call on, well, the wrong call, rather, on what was clearly an, an offsides or neutral zone infraction from the defense uh, that they got the wrong way, and that cost Detroit at a minimum. They kept the Rams in the game. They kept, kept the Rams in the game. Completely kept them in the game. So uh, it's it's crazy as a Detroit fan watching Detroit lose games due to ref ball my entire life to hear the other side of that narrative for the first time ever. I'm like, this is wild. Like, like these people must truly not know what Detroit has been through in the vein of ref ball. So, and then as you said to start this off, Mark, uh, the crowd was truly a 12th man because McVeigh doesn't burn those timeouts if the crowd isn't that noisy. And I'm expecting to see more of the same against Tampa now. Um, yeah, run it back, man. Run it's, it back. It's gonna be I'll great. say this too: the the offensive super clinic that was on, really between both the Rams and the Lions to start this game. You know, anytime you watch a game early on and you start to you look at what these coaches offensively their game plan was against the defense. They're showing their best cards early and often, right? It's so important to start fast, especially in a playoff game. And both teams are trying to do the same thing. Every team practices in scripts like a first eight or like a or sometimes a first twelve, uh, which is they know the first eight play calls going into the game. Obviously, they change it if you get a third and short or something. You know, you go off the script, but you come right back to the script. And you and you practice this sequence going into the week, you know, four or five times. And you walk through them the day before the game. So everybody knows in that locker room, on that offensive staff, what's going to be called, what needs to be executed to get those plays done. That's why you sometimes see these teams come out and look so sharp on that first drive. And and for this case, it was the first two or three drives for both teams. Everything was there. The first read on the progressions were there. All the motions got the guys to the right spots, the exact spots that they anticipated the defense to mess up in. And it was a beautiful thing, dude. Ben Johnson on the fourth and goal, you know, throwing out the goal line package, getting the Rams to put a goal line defense on the field, and then shifting to a spread offense shotgun golf play where you have offensive linemen out lining up at receiver with Laporta out there getting a mismatch where now you have a defensive end guarding Laporta and man-to-man coverage. Really, the Rams probably should use a timeout there, didn't, and Goff and Laporta made them pay. Um, It's just mastermind stuff like that. Truly like you're watching chess happen and it's 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 a beautiful thing dude as an offensive minded person it's like that's the stuff that i think the average fan can't really appreciate because they don't they don't really get what's happening but when you really look into the detail that it took and the preparation it takes to do that and execute at a high level like that it's it's a beautiful thing yeah i'm gonna be watching a a replay of the game over again 100 percent because there was a lot of stuff that i missed that i'd like to rewatch. but um it's clear that that dan campbell and ben johnson uh were ready to coach playoff football. I mean, like you said, offensively, it was incredible. I think one thing, one thing that I noticed that I pointed out to a couple people, they had up until I think the third or fourth drive, Montgomery was the sole back on one drive. Gibbs was the sole back on the second drive back to Montgomery. And then after that, it's like, dude, like how frustrating would that have to be for a defense that you're like, you know, you're like, Oh, we just got smoked by one guy and you don't see him until two drives later again. Like the versatility, all the weapons that they have. It's insane. The thing people forget too, John, people are like, Oh, Gibbs is like the lightning and and Montgomery's the thunder. Did you not see Montgomery put people on skates like two or three times? Like that guy's shifty as hell and was in (laughs) Chicago. And when, when he got traded here or when we signed him, not traded, when we signed him here, um, I, I did a whole thing on why he's one of the best backs in the league after contact and making people miss. And we're like, oh, whatever. And it's like you combine him with someone like Gibbs, who's obviously lightning in a bottle in open in an open field. He's almost impossible to tackle on the first, you know, the first tackler. But Montgomery is 
just as good in yeah. space. Like he's not as fast, but he'll make people miss. He'll spin off. He'll get three or four more yards. They're yeah. incredibly difficult to tackle. And Amon, Amon Ra Ra's the same way. Insane, insane jukes, ridiculous jukes. Um, Amon, dude, yeah. going to throwing the ball there to clinch the game, John. Love that it. took nuts. That took nuts. I mean, not. I mean. I love it because so often you see teams handoff, 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 and then hope the defense saves you. Screw that, dude. You got one of the best offenses in the league. You got Jared Goff in his revenge game. You got one of the best slot receivers that's that's Josh gonna Reynolds get you in with... a revenge game game to play dude, too. Like... Josh Reynolds in a revenge game. Like that was that was awesome to see him go and trust Amon Ra on a simple comeback route like that. And basically just set nothing special about that play. Just hey, go win. Go win your route. Go win yeah. your route. Goff's going to get you the ball low, catch that thing, go down, first down, end this game. And that, I guarantee you Ben Johnson's conversation was that. If you get one-on-one -on -one coverage, work to Amon Ra's side, he's going to get open, he's going to catch it, and we're going to win the game. And they went yeah. out and they did just that. And, dude, I'm so happy for Jared Goff. I'm so happy for... Same. Like had, that, a, had an amazing game, by the way, too. When he wasn't dude. pressured, he was perfect, by the way. The only incompletions he had was with pres pressure directly in his face. Dude, he had a clean forget pocket. People forget his his story, dude. I mean, quick rundown of what happened to this guy. Takes the Rams to a Super Bowl, right? They lose right. to the Patriots. In this, but he's a young quarterback who's developing. He trusts McVay. He trusts that franchise. They invested in him. He was bought in. He's a Cali kid, right? I'm sure he loved playing out there. Like, And then they just trade him out of the blue. Had no idea what was coming. Trade him over to Detroit, right, where nobody, let's be honest, nobody wanted to go. For a long time, until now, people want to come here. But for a long time, nobody wanted to come play here. And he comes in, he just says, okay, I don't really want to be here. This sucks. I'm a California kid. It's zero degrees outside. Um, let's go win some football games. Let's go flip a franchise around. And that's exactly what he did, man. He invested in with the coaches. He, he worked with these players. I mean, we don't have a ton of superstar players. That's just not who we are. That's not what it's been. Your shirt says grit. You know, that's been the motto that they've preached. A lot of people laughed at it. There's in times, hell, I've laughed at it. Right, because it's corny at times, but when it works, it's it's an awesome thing. And Jared Goff is the face of that, alongside Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, Ben Johnson. Um, I'll even give Aaron Glenn a little bit of credit for having a better run defense. The pass defense is atrocious. It's really um, bad, really, but really bad. I'm it, it is what a great story for Jared Goff. This was a staple win, um, but not satisfied. Not satisfied. Yep. Not going to be a, hey, clap our hands. We finally got over the hump. Like, I let's got, go do got, this thing. Two more things to talk about, and then we'll move on to this last game here. Um, I couldn't agree more with what you said about Goff turning the franchise around. Brad Holmes said in the, the locker room, he was like, we had to go through darkness to get here. And like this team is molded by that. And it's it's cool because the attitude they Are you play quoting with is, Bane right now. That's that's I guess what Brad Holmes you think was darkness quoting. is your ally. <laughs> um, I was born in it. And then um the other thing I want to mention here too is because I know we've had we've had conversations, and I think Brad Holmes deserves to be just as much a part of the story as as uh, anybody else. Because if you see here, Mark, the only player that he has drafted that is no longer rostered by Detroit is Jamar Jefferson. He was a seventh round running back that was only cut because of injury related problems. Every single other person that Brad Holmes has drafted in the past three years is rostered. Not only that, but when I went through this exercise earlier, I counted 13 starters and everybody else is a contributor and has either started games, contributed on special teams, whatever. This team, this roster that is handpicked, hand-built by Brad Holmes, 
I don't want to hear anybody slander this GM's name, his draft approach, whatever, again. Because his entire thing, as he's been saying, is like, I just draft people that I think are good football players that love football that will be a good fit for this team because of that. And we got four starters as rookies this year out of it. I really don't care about the position that they play. I think you get four starters out of any draft class that are rookies. That is a smashing home run success. Um, yes. Do I want to see investments get made uh, this offseason at potentially edge rusher? Definitely corner. Um, you know, maybe interior offensive line. 100%. I think those are investments that we need to make. But the best part about this is that we have a young, cost-effective roster that we can continue to build off of. And I feel very confident about Brad Holmes' ability to draft into the future. And I think that allows you to set yourself up where this is not the only time we're going to be talking about Detroit Lions in the playoffs for another decade or however many years, right? We're setting ourselves up for this to be the expectation year in and year out. Is competition going to get thicker? Sure. Green Bay looks really good. Vikings are trying to reset. Bears are on the up. But I'm feeling good as a Lions fan, and I'm super proud of this team. And right now, to me, the expectation, as you alluded to, Mark, is uh, to make it to the NFC Championship. And shit, man, if we make it there, we're only one game out. Let's see if we can make history, right? But first is this yeah. next matchup, which is going to be Tampa Bay. Let's talk about Eagles Tampa a little bit. The Eagles shit the bed, man. How about how about being 10-1 and one at one point this season? You were in the Super Bowl last year. Jalen Hurts looked like an MVP candidate. Actually, he looked like the favorite to win the MVP at that point. Um, you know what I think happened? Everyone's talking about some injuries and... You know, maybe Nick Sirianni not being as smart as we originally thought and all this other shit. The 49ers killed this team. The 49ers went into the the Philadelphia Eagles home, the link, and absolutely assaulted them, demoralized them, proved that last year them being in the Super Bowl was that they weren't the right team to be in the Super Bowl to represent the NFC. It should have been the Niners. Brock Purdy going down in the first series. You know, a lot of people said, well, what would have happened? And the Eagles fans said, well, we still would have won. And I think we found out the truth that the 49ers should have been in the NFC, uh, representing the NFC last year in the Super Bowl. And I think that that just crushed them. I think it absolutely just crushed them. And they could never really figure it out. They could never piece everything together. They've also panicked swapping a little too soon. Swapping coordinators around. Swapping like... coordinators, putting really Patricia. <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's your solution on defense? I mean, did you yeah. see how piss poor? I don't know if I've seen a more piss poor tackling performance than I saw in this game against the Bucs. Like, open, like, it looks like they haven't tackled in four weeks. And, yeah. and offensively, I mean, just uninspired. I don't know what, uninspired. how else to say it. It was like, it's like, what what is your philosophy? What's your core? What, what makes you who you are offensively? Because the tush push stopped working, they couldn't complete passes for shit. And they didn't have a run game to save their life with an offensive line that has been killing people for like great offensive. Years now. You have a great like, offensive line, and you have a quarterback that can run, which should help your running backs be able to run the ball because it's you have a dual threat quarterback that can pull it at any point in the zone read game and keep it himself. You know, you have a tight end that's very very good. Devon, I get AJ Brown didn't play, but. Devonte Smith is one of the better receivers in this league. Like you have the pieces, you have the pieces on defense too, and your defense is sloppy. Like it just doesn't make any sense. This is one of the worst fall aparts I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I, I mean, I really thought the Eagles were going to be like I thought the Lions were going to have a serious problem with the 49ers and Philly. I thought there were two teams that were significantly better than us and just more ready to compete for a championship than than Detroit. Basically, the whole year I thought that, and all of a sudden this Philly team just starts unraveling. And yeah. I've never, I'll tell like you this. Said, I've never seen a mid-season 
failure like this. Like, Dude, they imploded cr- on themselves. Crazy. And and we can talk about their you know downfall all we want, but let's talk about Baker Mayfield and turn this into a positive thing. One and zero in the playoffs, and what, the Browns ba- are zero and one without Baker. Baker Mayfield, dude. I mean, this guy has, I mean, underdog his whole life, goes into Tampa, nobody expects anything, and he has this Tampa Bay Bucks team, another team that was reeling. He has them in the in the second round of the playoffs, and he's making plays, man. Did you see him coming out of the locker room with the snip the smelling salts? No, I didn't. Dude, he's walking out, he's looking, you know, he's ready to go, he's got laser focus, and he's got a smelling salt. In his hand, right? He breaks it, pops it open, breaks it in half, and he's sniffing. It, he just does it like two or three times in each nostril. I'm like, oh my god, this guy's ready to go. And that no, no, I mean, he's just he's just hard not to root for, man. And his teammates buy buy into him and and his competitiveness. And he's he's just a badass dude. He's just a cocky dude who works his ass off and wants to prove everybody. He's not doing this to prove his family and select few friends right. He's doing it to prove everybody else wrong. Like you can tell, he's got like this just chip on his shoulder the size of a freaking, you know, boulder, and it's awesome, dude. It's so awesome to to root for him, and I hate to see that he has to come to Detroit and and that his little fun has to end. But what a season for them! Yeah, no, I, for them to turn it around for Baker to seem like he's the guy moving forward. I think Tampa lucked out, honestly. It's it's awesome to see. But yeah, I mean, look, Detroit's weakness, in my opinion, right now is the fact that when they go up against this like crazy receiving core and this, you know, a cannon of an arm quarterback, our our secondary gets just ripped to shreds, right? I mean, now I do feel bad because people are dunking on Sutton right now, and I I think rightfully so. But Sutton, with a bum ankle for the past few weeks here, has gone. <laughs> Jefferson, CD Lamb, Jefferson, Puka Nakua, basically in four weeks. That sucks. That's not fun as a corner. Um, but I think he needs help. Um, but a lot of it's scheme too, John. You can help your. You can. You don't yeah. have. We don't have a Darius Slay. We don't have a Jalen Ramsey. You you can't ask that much of those guys, right? right. And, and a lot of like you. And we talk about the balance all the time. And Aaron Glenn has to figure this out better. He has to be better at this, or it, we won't win. You know, we won't take care of business and we won't be able to show ourselves in the Super Bowl this year. It won't happen unless he fixes this. If you're going to bring pressure, that's great. Then you can play the man, but you have to get pressure because if you don't get pressure and you leave Sutton and those guys on an island, I don't care who it is, they're toast. They're not good in, in coverage. But if you play zone and bracketed coverages and you maybe drop more and you let the quarterback kind of sit back there and hope that Hutchinson makes a play or hope somebody else gets home, that's that's a different strategy for a different day. But you got to show a little bit of both those things, and you got to try to confuse quarterbacks and force them to throw a bad ball, force them to throw to the wrong guy. And he's just I, he needs to do more of that. He's not doing enough of that, and it hurts sure. guys like Sutton. I mean, Sutton can't freaking guard Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup in solo coverage. It's not a fair ask. It's, there's hardly any that, corners in There's the not NFL many again. people that can do that. So right. like. Obviously, he's going to get toasted well, at times. And, and thankfully, I think our pass rush is starting to put it together as these past few weeks. I've noticed, at least personally, like our ability to get pressure, to get to the quarterback, to force them to make bad decisions has increased a lot in the last like month or so. I mean, Hutchinson had an amazing game against Dallas. Um, and, and really, I think we brought it against the Vikings. I think the I think you really started to figure it out when we got, you know, the the cojones to start blitzing our safeties against Denver is really when I was like, oh, OK, yeah. we're starting to figure out ways doing to something back. different. Yeah. And so, look, I, th- going into this matchup, um, 
I'm feeling pretty good about our ability to continue to generate that pressure, ability to stop the run and make them one dimensional. And I don't think Tampa has the receivers that are going to just absolutely destroy our secondary, like the past four or five matchups that we've had. And then, you know, we just got to show up and, and play offense and keep in mind too, our offense was very banged up the last time that we matched up with Tampa. Uh, they're about to see Montgomery again. Uh, they're about to see a fully healthy Gibbs. Um, it should be interesting. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, with that being said, do you want to move into next week's matchups? Uh, by the way, I only had one best bet, which I was correct in. And then Mark uh, went, what, one for three? No, over oh, three. three. Not oh, a great three. best bet week for me, man. I'll be better this week. Hey, all good. 43 and 25 still. I got I to gotta stay. I got to keep that the way it is. John's getting closer to 500. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll get there by the end of the season. Um. Houston at Baltimore. Um, look, I, I hate to say it. I think Houston's had an awesome run. I think that they were on fire last week. I do not see them going into um, Baltimore's house um, and winning this game. They might cover, sure, but I just I I think Baltimore is so ready to win this game in particular, and probably the AFC. It's not even funny, um, you know a week of rest, another week of preparation for them in specific. I think Baltimore is going to, going to absolutely rock the shit. That's my opinion. Question of the day. Rest or rust. What's going to happen with Baltimore, right? They rested their guys against the Steelers. They had a bye week this week. That's like two straight weeks of Lamar and Zay flowers and OBJ and some of these guys not, all kind of in the same like motor that they've been all season long, right? You take too much time off, you start to lose a little bit of that momentum that you created for yourself. And I do think because of that, the Texans cover this game. And I do think there's a chance that the Texans upset the Baltimore Ravens this week. Um, I'm not going to say that that's going to happen, but I do. I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen because I think there's a fair chance that the Ravens come out with that rust. And a lot of team, a lot of times you see these well-coached teams, teams that have been in that one seed spot often, like the Patriots were for so long, like the Chiefs, right, where they know how to handle that one spot and they know how to handle the gift it is to have a bye. There's a lot of teams that don't know how to handle it, and you have players that go to the strip club or you know they go spend time with with family outside of the practice facility. They do things they don't normally do in season, and all of a sudden you're out of sorts. And that's all it takes is a little bit. This Texans team hasn't had any time off. They're they're going. They're in go mode. They've been in go mode. And nothing's going to change this week in practice. They're, they're going to be ready to go. C.J. Stroud's going to be ready to go. And expect to see maybe a hot start. And let's see if Baltimore can kind of figure it out early on in this game. But don't be surprised to see C.J. Stroud and this Texans team come out and kind of make a statement early. Similar to what the Packers did to Dallas. Don't be surprised if that happens. Now, I think Baltimore is good enough to maybe overcome that. But I'm a little bit worried about that. Yeah, I, I would think say Harbaugh, as their coach, like I, I feel pretty good about Baltimore not getting kind of into that. that I don't know. He was, he was in, he was in Houston for the Natty. I mean, he's had his own distractions. <laughs> sure, um, you're not wrong there, but um, I do think Baltimore will win, as you're saying. Don't know. Nine point spreads pretty big in the divisional round of the playoffs, so I'm probably going to leave that alone from best bets perspective. But I like Baltimore to win it. I like Houston to cover, but I will take Baltimore to win it. I but. I'm rooting very heavily for the Texans. Um, KC at Buffalo. Game of the Buffalo, week. Buffalo, two and a half point favorite. 
this every single time that these two teams see one another in the playoffs, it is some of the best football I have ever watched in my entire life. And I am expecting more of the same. I am so amped for this game. Um, man, with the way that Casey's offense has been playing, and the way that Buffalo has cleaned up lately and has found a lot of rhythm offensively. I like Buffalo to win this game. I like Buffalo to cover. And you know what? Why not? Set it to my best bets. <laughs> oh, put Josh in the best bets, are you? Put in Josh in the best bets, but I'm not saying sorry to him. <sighs> Well, he might have to say sorry to you this week because give me Kansas City in the best bets. I took. I hate doing it. I hate going against my guy. Most fun player to watch. Probably my favorite player in the NFL right now. But Josh Allen against this defense. I don't know. John, I'm going to send you something as I finish this breakdown. I want to show it in this episode um, because I, it's, it's next level. And I think that this is going to be a huge part of why the Kansas City Chiefs take care of business. I'm sending you a tweet right now. Go ahead and pull this up. Um, we'll break it down, and I'll show you why. You talk about Josh Allen struggling and turning the ball over, and, and his decision-making has been the downfall of the Buffalo Bills. Kansas City did some stuff last week against Tua that I haven't seen many defenses do in this league. Really, I haven't seen many defenses ever do. So if you want to go back to the beginning and kind of pause it, I'll explain what's about to happen. It's so this is a going to a two high to one high back to two high. This is the defensive equivalent of, of okay, Reed's ring. So around. it's two high safeties, right? So pre-snap, uh, Tua's thinking he's going to work his two high half of the field. Right before the snap, they start to go to the stack look, which is easily going to be some kind of man-to-man, you know, you know, where everybody's going to be manned up, and then they end up basically inverting which half of the field they're responsible for. That kind of stuff, dude, I don't know if Josh Allen's seen something like that, but anticipate some more of this kind of stuff and anticipate Josh Allen throwing the ball aggressively as he as one does when you have a rocket on your arm. Um, he's going to throw into coverage. He's going to make a mistake or two, and I just, I just think this Kansas City team, you give Patrick Mahomes a couple mistakes, he's going to make you pay. And I just think everybody's counted this Chiefs team out, and the Bills got the best of them earlier this year at Arrowhead. It's hard to beat the same team twice. This Chiefs team is different than it was back then. I feel damn good about this Chiefs team, man, uh, unfortunately. And part of it is I bet, you know, I bet the Chiefs because I think that's what will happen, but my heart wants the Bills, so it's a win-win for me. Either my head wins or my heart wins. So it's like, okay, I'll split it and I'll take whatever I can get. Um, either way, really excited that one of these two teams is going to be in the AFC Championship to take on the winner of this this Ravens-Texans game. And I think the winner of this game is going to go to the Super Bowl. So, oh man, it, it breaks still my heart. Not, but I, no, I got to backtrack. Still not fully bought it on the Ravens, it sounds never like. Will never it's will really be. Never will be. I cannot I cannot be, I can't get behind Lamar Jackson going to a Super Bowl. I can't do it. I can't see it happening. I can't imagine it happening. I just, right. I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. I just think the Ravens, they've looked so damn good. How often, John, do you see the team that everybody thinks is going to do it, do it? It just doesn't happen very often, especially when it's a new team. Like, the Ravens aren't a team that's been doing this for several years. Um, Lamar hasn't ever done it. He's never really even come close to doing it. I just can't see them doing what they did in this regular season in the playoffs. Kansas City or Buffalo, whoever wins this game, and I think it'll be the Chiefs, I think the winner of this game 
defeats Baltimore and goes to represent the AFC. That's I really do think that, um, and I think it's going to be Kansas City in a in a what I think is going to be the game of the week. It's going to be crazy. Um, Green Bay at San Fran again. San Fran's opening up as ten point favorites against a Green Bay team who just strolled into Dallas's house, who they have not lost in in the entire season. If I'm and maybe even uh, a good chunk of last season, they strolled into Dallas's house and beat them handedly. If if you had uh, not put in your twos in like the fourth quarter, this would have been a thirty point win by Green Bay. I don't understand how the betting markets or whatever is seeing that and saying Green Bay is going to get rolled by more than 10 points against San Fran. San Fran and Dallas, I mean, San Fran's a much better coach team than Dallas, but like talent-wise, you're looking at the same concept here, right? You're just you're seeing student versus master to some degree too, right? So that, that might be playing into it. I'm amped for this game too. I think Green Bay fans can't believe that they're in the situation right now. But man, and uh, kind of like what you're saying to the Lions, don't be satisfied there. Rise to the occasion and see what can happen, right? Um, are they stacked against it? Yes. Do I think uh, San Fran's probably going to win? Yes. But by 10 points, I'm not bought on that whatsoever. I think the 49ers are damn good, man. I think they're, they're damn so good. good. I th- they they own the Packers. They own the Packers. Even with match up. With Rodgers in Lambeau. That's true, yeah. Um, I like the I like the Niners to cover, man. I like the Niners to cover. I love Jordan. I, I think Jordan Love is, has truly been the best player of the last eight weeks of this season, including this first round of the playoffs. I meant when I said that. Um, but he hasn't seen a team like this in a while. He has not seen a, a, a team that's going to scheme up what they're going to scheme up defensively, and he's going to have to score a lot of points. Because I think this Packers defense is going to get picked apart. I think it's going to be an offensive clinic from from Shanahan. Um, I think the Niners cover, man. I think the, when the, when a spread's this big, I mean, it's to weird to see bet? these spreads this big. I'm going to add the Niners to my, to the best bets. Whew, all right. Mark likes Niners minus ten in the best bets. I think um, the, yeah. I think the the love show runs out a little bit this week. I think it was a great season. Packers fans can be happy, but and I listen. I hope I'm wrong. I hope to God I'm wrong. But I'm 43 and 25. I'm rarely wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, and again, I think I think the Niners are more likely to win this matchup. I just think it's going to be a close game. I really do. Um, Tampa at Lions. Uh, Lions <sighs> minus six and a half points. Um, Man, I feel I feel compelled to take that spread too. But man, there's a part of me that gives me pause because these teams have already played each other, um, and so Tampa might, you know, be a little bit better studied on the Lions' habits and tendencies. Um, but what I said earlier um, when we were kind of talking, you know, previewing this matchup a bit, Tampa didn't even see, you know, the Lions at full power offensively. Uh, They're missing a lot of pieces when they played, and they still blew Tampa out. I don't know if Tampa's defense is going to be able to hang um, at all. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, you know what I might do here? Just to, I'm going to take the over. I feel pretty good about that. So that I can at least have two best bets in here with Mark. A little bit more skin in the game. Um, I do like Lions to win this game, though. Um, 
really, I think that um, that they offensively are just going to be on an entirely different level than anything that Tampa can put up offensively. So that's right. John, I'm admittingly a little bit worried because what I just watched in this Tampa Bay Philly game, I get Philly is reeling and is terrible on defense, but Detroit's pretty bad on defense at exactly the thing that the Bucs want us to be bad at. The Bucs aren't a run-the-ball team. They haven't really been all year. They're a, they're a sling-it team. Screens, quick passing game, couple shots down the field. Baker Mayfield's picked apart some good defenses this year. The Lions secondary is bad. It's flat-out bad. We're not good in coverage. We have a terrible tendency. Even our guys that we consider good, Brian Branch, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Kirby Joseph, horrible tendency to, even when they don't need to, grab. They hold. They grab. They don't trust their covers. They don't trust their technique. I don't get it. I don't know who the defensive backs coach is, but it's not good. Put the freaking clubs on their hands and make them cover guys in practice so they stop grabbing. I've seen that technique. I mean, they do it at Alabama. Nick Saban, one of the best ever. It's bad, man. And the Bucks. you said that they don't have necessarily the greatest receivers. I kind of agree, but Mike Evans is a mismatch nightmare. Okay? I, they got a couple young guys with speed. Who with that we we've struggled with that a ton. Um, I don't know, man. I, I like Baker Mayfield and this Bucks team to come in here and definitely keep this game close. I think it's Detroit's games to lose. They for sure should win this game. I don't know if they cover six and a half. That's a pretty big spread for a Bucks team. That's I'm, really, I'm, I'm of the same opinion, one hundred percent. But I also I like I and I could and I I could see the Bucks ruining this whole thing. That would you know, stink. Call it the Honolulu High, whatever you want to call, it, because the Lions. We haven't won a playoff game in thirty years. I don't know. Do we know how to handle that? Do we know how to just kind of like put our heads down and go back to work and try to do it again? This this first playoff game was like our Super Bowl for a lot of people, and we, you know, most fans are like, "Hey, I'm good. Like we just did something we have never done. Like if we lose, whatever we lose." And this Tampa team, they've been there, done that. They got they got a Super Bowl in the last few years. You know, I know Brady's gone, but like, I don't know. It just scares me. And the matchups scare me. When I look at the matchups and I look at how they played us the first game. I think I everywhere we match up except receiver and secondary, I think the that's Lions a big, but That's a big mismatch, dude. That you can, see that's Montgomery's enough to interview? keep you in any game. What do you say? You see, he was asked literally like why he's not smiling or saying anything in the interview. And he just goes, job's not done yet, and walks away. So I think the players are just fine as far as being. I, I, I think you're right, too. And I think that the coaches are smart enough to, to – but I just – and I think Ford Field's going to be rocking again, and it's a tough place to play, and Baker Mayfield might get a little bit rattled, I I hope. Um, but, God, this game scares me just because of that. The problem, our secondary being as bad as it is, like we're really not going to run away from any teams because every team can stay in the game because we're so bad on the back end. Right. And we've don't and we and we been better at getting pressure on the quarterback. We're still not good at it. We're still we not even close. Houston back this week. Really? That, that should help. Um, I lo- I'd like Detroit to win this game. I don't like them to cover, and I wouldn't be incredibly shocked to see something awful happen in the Bucks' upset. All right. Mark's being a little bit more it's surprised to hear. I was way more confident last week with the Rams. That's interesting. Um, because honestly, I feel a lot more confident about this matchup than I did against the Rams. I feel like okay, man, we we you know beat the big bad you know elephant in the room got over that hump of being able to win a playoff game. Now it's like, uh, to, to some degree, it's a, it's the relaxing of the pressure that makes me more confident, right? Like you said, oh, like there's, you know, this Honolulu high or whatever. To me, it's like, 
no, like the rest of the season's gravy. Let's let's make some cool shit happen here. I, I want to see the Lions in the NFC Championship. Like, so that's where I'm at with it. Um, I mean, we'll there's see. a chance the Lions go to this NFC Championship game, John. There's a we're favored by six and a half to go to the NFC Championship game. Like, that is if you would if you would have heard me say that, <laughs> you know, way back when. Like, well, I know where you were at a year and a half ago. And by I the mean, way, there's still a debt you have to pay. And, uh, yeah, be I mean, hey, I will. If we get a Super Bowl out of this, or even another playoff win and a chance to go to the Super Bowl, like I won't be as mad taking that ACT. I'll probably be taking that ACT with the dumbest smile on my face of all time. <laughs> well, uh, we got to get you scheduled sooner than later. Here again, I'm still threatening. Like, if this isn't booked yourself by the end of the season, here we will do it on stream for one of the podcasts. You'll sit there and figure it all out together. That would be a good episode. That would be a good episode. (laughs) Okay, got it. So you're going to make me do that because you see the the viewership. I think the fans would love to see it. All right. Well, that is Practice Squad 074 covering the wild card, looking ahead to the divisional round. Mark and I, as Lions fans, you can clearly tell we're amped up. We're amped up about the quality of football that just got played. We are amped up about what we're about to see next week. Lots of good matchups. Um, best time to be a football fan right now. Best time to be a Michigan football fan in general in the past 30 plus years, 40, 50, 60 years, even because we've never seen anything like this where Michigan wins a national championship undisputed. And then the lions win a playoff game and are favored in a second playoff game, hosting (laughs) back-to-back playoff games. It's crazy stuff, man. You just stuff that you can't even imagine. It's never happened in our lifetimes. Never happened in most people's lifetimes that are alive. It's it's absolutely crazy, and it's it's awesome to see. So with that, we will see everybody to recap uh, this divisional round next week and look forward to the uh, NFC and AFC Championship. Uh, check us out on social media if you haven't. We are posting short-form stuff all throughout the week. Check out our merch store if you haven't. Take a look at our Discord, all that good stuff, and we will see you soon. Peace.